0: You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.twelve.co. If you would turn in your Bibles, and join me in Luke chapter 19 this morning. Luke chapter 19. We are continuing in our series, Come to the Table, Be Transformed. And this is a story that many of us are familiar with. So my hope is that none of us come to this moment today in this word and that we just overlook what God is trying to tell us today just because we're familiar with this story. Uh, We're going to be looking at the story of Jesus calling out Zacchaeus to uh, take him to his home for a party where Zacchaeus' life is forever changed. Uh, So let us not take too long to read over it the first time. We're going to pray over it, and then we're going to unpack it a little bit so that we don't seem like we're too familiar with it. There's a few things I'm sure we're going to get out of it today that are new. But then what I ultimately want to do is lead us through the passage and see where God wants us to be shaped and changed according to his word. Because we never open up the Bible, we never open up God's word at any point in time where he is not desiring to shape us more and more into the perfect us he created us to be, that which reflects Jesus Christ Christ our Savior. We are made in God's image to reflect his glory. And so I hope today that you will be open-minded and that our hearts will be open. Let me pray for that after we read through this one time. If you would look at it with me, Luke chapter 19, and we are going to read verses 1 through 10. Let me read that for us. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the, lost, or for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Let me pray for us. Father, we need your guidance. We need your Holy Spirit to lead us. I pray that you would open our hearts and minds, that you would illuminate our understanding that we might see how we are to know you rightly and to love you because you first loved us in Jesus. And Lord, today, how you want us to be different and to be changed and to turn back to your ways. Lord, I pray you work in hearts. You help us to love one another. You help us to love the lost and the redeemed. You help us to love you most of all. And that, Lord, you would receive all the glory as we are filled with joy in our pursuit of you because you first pursued us in Jesus. And I ask that in Jesus' holy name, amen. All right, we're going to jump right in here. So let me just say this before we get right into the text, right before we jump off the cliff into dissecting it, let me just say, it has been a tough season for you. It has been a tough season, a tough year with COVID, a tough year for us politically in our country. It has been a tough season for our church. But again, even though this was decided upon and we felt like led by the Lord for us to be in these particular passages over the last few weeks, and that, that happened before these times came upon us, let me, let me encourage you today, I think God is trying to point our eyes to what should be our focus now and always. And this story is one of redemption, it's one of, of hope. It's one of amazement, and we're going to unpack all those things. Let's look at the text together in chapter 19, verse 1 again, and just kind of walk through it one more time to unpack it. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, you know Jericho probably if you've been in church any length of time. You've heard that from the Old Testament. Well, this is not the exact same city for obvious reasons, if you know the story about Jericho. But this is also a a city that had been built up again and had a a beautiful palace, like a, a home away from home for some leaders, uh, it was a place that the aqueducts had come in. It was a it was a place where it become a thriving city. It was a place where many people were coming from around the world, passing through, and they were of course having to pay their taxes as they did so. And so we see, there's a man in verse two named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. That terminology, chief tax collector, or maybe in your Bibles, chief publican, is a term only used here in the New Testament. And so we're not exactly sure what that means. Most likely, what we can understand from looking at, at uh, things that use that type of language outside of the Scriptures is that most likely he was kind of the superintendent of all the tax collectors in the area, that he was the one that was overseeing all of that being done. And just so you know, uh, he, that means that he was a Jewish man most likely. He was a guy who uh, was seen by his countrymen as a traitor because he was collecting tribute for a foreign occupying force. And he was somebody that probably already started as kind of an outcast, a pariah, somebody that was not welcomed into the faith family, if you want to put it that way. Somebody the Pharisees would look at and say, we're not even going to go in that person's home because we'll be defiled. Someone who they wouldn't even speak to on the road as they passed by. But they only spoke to them when they had to because they were the ones that were traitors. They're the ones taking their money to give it to a foreign occupying force. And so Zacchaeus would not have been looked at well. In fact, he literally is the chief of those sinners. And oftentimes when you see in the Gospels, you see there's a, a time where Jesus is chastised by the Pharisees, by the religious leaders. It happens so... A dual phrasing where it says, why are you eating or supping with her? This is the one who hangs out with publicans or tax collectors and sinners. Noticing that the publicans or tax collectors, that's the first one they say. So most likely they're given the impression that's the worst of the worst. That the others are just sinners, but they're tax collectors. This would have been the kind of guy that Zacchaeus was looked to be by the religious leaders at least, if not everybody, that was a good Jew. So we see here, there's a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Oftentimes they get rich because they're skimming off the top a little extra for themselves before they send it on. This guy was very wealthy. Verse three, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. And if you remember anything about this story, that's what you remember, right? A wee little man was he. Remember the songs? Aren't you glad you're not the one recorded in scripture as the man of small stature? You know, that that's what people remember about you? There's a lot better stuff here about Zacchaeus, though. So, verse 4, he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Look at verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he knew Zacchaeus by name. We don't know if he'd met him before. It appears not, because Zacchaeus is trying to get a glimpse of him. But he knows Zacchaeus because he is not only a man, but he's also fully God. And he sees Zacchaeus and he calls him out. He says, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Verse 6 So he hurried and came down and received Jesus joyfully. And when they saw it, they were assuming this is alluding to the Pharisees, religious leaders. When they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. These guys have been like, we can't even go in there. We have to clean first and wash ceremonially afterwards. We have to get him to clean the space. He'd probably just stay in the doorway so we're not kind of getting these putrid vapors of sin on us as we walk in the room. This is not somebody that goes, if you know who you, if you are who you say you are, you don't go in there. You don't go to that guy's house. When they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And I have def- if I have defrauded any one of anything, I restore it fourfold. So he knows the Old Testament. So I'm, I'm arguing he's a Jewish guy. In Exodus 22, verses 1 through 4, in Numbers 5, 5 through 7, you would see where if you defrauded someone... Uh, that if you messed that up and couldn't pay it back exactly, then you would have to give them like four times that amount back if it was like sheep. It's talked about Exodus, I think, 22, verse 1 and four through 4. It talks about having to to defraud someone. You had to pay them back four times the number of sheep. If you took one, you had to give them back four. But when it comes to money, we see like in uh, Numbers 5, 5 through 7, that it's actually not talking about that kind of payback. If you defraud someone of money, you're supposed to give that back plus a fifth. 20 percent okay but what do we see this guy doing he is overwhelmed by the grace of god and he sees himself as the chief of all sinners The everybody belt sees him like too and he says i need to pay it back in multiples of that he sees himself for who he really is in need of a savior and he decides he's going to be generous and gracious this is what the gospel does to people by the way it changes hearts. The guy who used to, to defraud people is now going to be overly generous towards those he took advantage of. He wants to get right with them as he's already been made right with his Savior. Verse 9. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. You can almost hear the Pharisees scoffing at that statement. <laughs> a son of Abraham. Not the way I'm a son of Abraham. That guy, he's the traitor. He's the one that's betrayed all of us. Today's salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. And this guy may not have felt much like a son of Abraham anymore, but today he's brought in to be a son of Abraham, not because he's genetically a son of Abraham, but because he's been ushered into the kingdom of God and accepted into the family of God on behalf of Jesus. So he is surely son of Abraham. Just like you and I in here are sons and daughters of Abraham if we have been brought into the family of God through the passionate, loving, benevolent, sacrificial giving of life, Jesus on the cross in our place where he stood condemned that he might redeem us. He says this, Here's the reason, today's salvation has come to this house since he also is the son of Abraham for, why is this? The son of man came to seek and to save the lost. How quickly we get off track in our mission. I think we talked about it last week, right? Didn't we talk about that last week? And now here we are again, and how many of us forgot about it during the week? How many of us forgot about it as we went about our way? I know I did, caught up with other things caught up in other things. Jesus, the Son of Man, came to seek and to save the lost. Let me give us a few things to walk away with today out of this text. We're just going to kind of unpack it again. Let me start off by going back to verse 5. Look at this. We're going to hang on this verse for a few minutes because there is a lot here. And when Jesus came to the place, for Zacchaeus had gone up in the sycamore tree, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. I want you to notice, when we read this text, it points out some pretty cool things. This is not like the blind guy who said, hey, Jesus, over here, I need some help. This is Zacchaeus climbing up in a tree. Jesus is surrounded by so many people that this guy had to climb up in a tree just to get a look at Jesus. So Jesus is pressed in on by a lot of folks. He's traveling through. He's on his way somewhere else. And he stops... And he looks up and he sees this guy and he goes, hey, you're Zacchaeus. Much like he looked at Nathaniel under the... He said, I saw you under the fig tree where you were praying earlier when he called Nathaniel out. Hey, Zacchaeus, hurry up and get down here. I must go to your house today. He's not getting invited by Zacchaeus. He's not pleading with Jesus to come to his house. He's saying, I'm going to your house. Let's go. Zacchaeus, come on down. I know who you are. Here's what I want you to understand. The day of salvation is always a divine appointment. It's always a divine appointment. We think that everything we do oftentimes is based off all of our choices and our choices alone. And I'm telling you today that what we see in Scripture is is that, yes, you make choices every day. You are a free agent to decide if you're going to come in this place today or not, if you're going to step into your car and drive to the gas station or if you're going to go to Baja, whatever you think your next steps are going to be. Okay. But what I'm telling you is somehow God's hand works in that and with that to direct our path. The scriptures say that, that, that we, we, we are the ones that determine where we're going, but God puts one foot in front of the other. Right. So the Psalms say the Psalms point out that yes, you have to repent and believe to be to be saved, to be a Christian, but also that God has ordained that day to happen for you. So I don't know how those things work together exactly because God is infinite and I'm finite, but I know that both are in the scripture. And today what we see is an example of Jesus stepping up and looking at a guy in a tree and he says, hey you, Zacchaeus, come on down, I'm going to your house today. And today may be the day for you. Maybe you're here in this room today because God has made it clear that today is a day of salvation for you. Maybe you're watching us on live stream right now because today is the day that God's called you to believe in Jesus. Today is the day that God's reaching into your heart and, and saying, hey, today's the day to turn to me. Today is the day, the day I'm going to woo you in. It is not by accident or by happenstance that you are here. Look at why Zacchaeus even did this. Verse 3. We don't have a full reason, but it says he was seeking to see who Jesus was. We don't know why. It could have just been simple curiosity. Maybe, Maybe you have some simple curiosity about who Jesus is. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's some kind of deep emptiness in your soul that's beginning to percolate and you're becoming aware of and you know there's a need. Maybe before this moment you had no idea there was a need. But now you're hearing the call of the gospel and your heart is being wooed. God can even use our hurts, our sadnesses, our restlessness, our unsettledness to put us into a place where we hear the gospel and he pricks our heart, even if we've heard it a thousand times. It might be abrupt, like it looks like it was for Zacchaeus, or it could be that he works to draw you over a period of years. Maybe Zacchaeus was feeling this call of the Lord on his life, but he didn't know what to do, and he was just kind of searching it out. And he thought, this might be the Messiah, I'm going to go look at him. And day, boom, divine day. Lined out for him. No matter the reason, no matter how it happens, the day of salvation is always a divine appointment for the Lord. Let me say this, let me make sure I'm clear Nobody comes to faith without repenting and believing on Jesus. You must turn from your sin. You must put your hope in Jesus and him alone. Let me say this as we think about that, that there is no one outside the reach of Jesus. Nobody. Look at this, just earlier, one chapter earlier, Luke 18. You know the story, but listen carefully. And a ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He's showing the guy, look, I am the Messiah, I am God. Verse 20, you know the commandments, Jesus says, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And this man said, all these I have kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all you have, "...and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me." But when he heard these things, the man became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, "...how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God." Those who heard it said, "...then who can be saved?" But he said, "...what is impossible with man..." is possible with God. Fast forward right along, and now here's a guy who's wealthy, rich. He's a guy who just climbed up in a tree to get a view of Jesus. He says, it's more difficult than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom. But what happens? Jesus looks up and says, Zacchaeus, come down here, for today I must be in your house. And we see salvation comes to Zacchaeus. Even if it seems like the most impossible task, that you feel like you're the most outside of the kingdom, you feel like nobody wants you, that nobody would understand if it was you, that people don't want to be around you. People don't want you if they knew what was on the inside of the things you've done. I'm telling you, there's nobody outside of the saving work of Jesus. Everybody is welcome. And there's no one who's outside the reach of Jesus. Because he is the one that does the saving. We're just the one that sees our need and puts our eyes on him and follows in obedience. He is the one. So today is a day of salvation for us. Today is a day of hope for you. If you've never put your hope and faith in Jesus, today is a day. And if you've been roaming and you've been away, and today is the day that you're here hearing this message or you're seeing it online, today is a day of repentance for you. Today is the day of hope for you. Because Jesus can reach and save anyone. He was the chief of all tax collectors. The worst of the worst. The wealthiest. Let not your cares and your riches and your hopes that lead away from Jesus keep you from coming to the eternal needs you have. Because we do have them. Come to the table like Zacchaeus and be transformed. Look, here's one thing I want you to understand too. God is knows you intimately. He calls Zacchaeus by name. He knows you. He knows all your hurts, all your habits, all your hangups. He knows all of your fears, all of your insecurities. He knows every single thing about you, every one of your sins, your sins of commission that you did, your sins of omission that you didn't do, your sins of action or inaction. He knows the sins of your heart and the sins of your imagination. He knows how far they penetrate and permeate your soul. He knows everything about you and he still wants you. He still loves you. I like to think that I've told my wife just about everything I've ever done. But what I know is, is as much as she loves me, my Lord loves me even more. And he knows everyone I've already forgotten. He still wants you. Isaiah 118, God says to his people, and I think he's telling us today and here, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. He will wash them away. You will be pure. This tax collector, the worst of the worst, cleansed. No more seen that way by the Lord. He is freed from all the worry and all the burden and all the heartache of that. And you can be too today if you put your hope in Jesus. And if you've walked walked away, come back to him today. Come to the table and be transformed. Today, he might be calling you for the first time, but today he surely is calling all of us to come to the table and be transformed. Look at verse 6. we get a really big picture here. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received him joyfully. When they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. If I defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Somewhere in there, Zacchaeus got saved. Somewhere in there, his life was turned upside down. And he's a different man. And we see immediate evidence. You will see immediate evidence in the life of someone who's come to faith. All you have to do to be a part of that is real simple. Be like Zacchaeus. Come to Jesus and receive him joyfully. That's what Zacchaeus did. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Repentance and belief is not a difficult task for one who sees their need for the Savior. It is an easy task. Repenting of sin and life apart from Christ is a joyful task for those who see Jesus for who he really is. You don't have to pick yourselves up by your bootstraps. You don't have to get things together. You don't have to stop this habit or stop that habit. You just need to turn and come to Jesus and come to the table. He will transform you. You don't have to be in the business of transforming yourself. That's why he tells the disciples, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men because he's the one that does the transforming. Isn't that good news? You know what? Over time, he will shape you into the person you're meant to be. You don't have to worry about getting it fixed before you show up because he's going to look at you and say, hey, this is your turn. Zacchaeus, come down here. I'm going to be with you today. Salvation is entering your house today. It's a joyful task. All we have to do is believe. He's done all the heavy lifting for us. He's the one that paid the price for all our sins. Don't carry the burden of your sins anymore. Drop them at the feet of Jesus. He already paid for that on the cross. Don't walk around acting like you've got to have it together. Jesus had it all together for you. Just put your hope in him and tell others about him so that they can know him too. That's our work. What a joyful work that is. This is good news. Before we get too far, I've got to look at us as religious people though. Verse 7, it's funny, you got this great story about Zacchaeus, this great story of redemption, and then you've got this religious, like, you know, like this bad thing that goes on. Like, why is that always in there? Maybe we need always reminding. Verse 7, when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. This is to the religious. If you're not religious, you can just, like, sit back and enjoy why do we, who call ourselves Christians, believe that we have any right to look down upon others as if we have accomplished our own salvation? Look, it comes so easy for all of us to start to lean back into and revert back to our own self-righteousness. I'm talking about me. I don't mean talking about you. Maybe you are the same person I am in that way, but... Even yesterday, there was a moment where I was around someone and I just was thinking to myself, like, hmm. I don't even want to talk to that person right now. I don't even want to, I don't want to breathe them in. Oh, Lord, help me. Such are we. Those who fume and stink of the stench of our own sin. Such am I. And yet we can look upon others in that way, and you may think, I don't do that. Lord, help us to see it so that we might repent of it and believe again in the gospel. It is everywhere in the scriptures. Luke 5, we go back to verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. You see how he always went to the outcasts? He said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. There he is at the table. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And we forget that we're still sick. Brothers and sisters, we're still sinners. We need Jesus just as much today as the first day we met him. Let us not forget that because let us stay at the table with Jesus. Let us sit at the feet of Jesus. And let us recognize our need for Jesus so that we can look upon one another and see each other with the love of Christ and look upon those who are not yet in this faith family and see them with the love of Christ. Let us see them in that way and let us be moved in hearts, so that we might be the hands and feet and mouth of Jesus for them. Because now we have been deemed the messengers of that reconciliation. That is our ministry. Here's some questions that might help you. If you think, that's not me, let me ask this. Do we earnestly believe any part of our salvation has been accomplished or added to by our own personal holiness? Because if you believe that, if you don't believe that, I mean, you're like, no, no, that's not me. Well, then there's no reason that we would think we're better than anybody else. Is there anyone in your mind who does not deserve God's redemption? Wait before you answer. Let me change it a little bit. Is there anyone in your heart who you would not go to with the gospel at once if the opportunity afforded itself to you? Man, the Lord has been piercing my heart with that question. Look, just like we talk about the opportunity for salvation, for someone to believe in Jesus is right now, the opportunity for us is right now as well. To go and offer that redemption, that salvation, that reconciliation. Today is the day of redemption. Today is the day of salvation. Thank you, Lord, that we have received grace when we did not deserve it. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Lord, that we were not passed by when your eyes were seeking and searching out our souls. Amen, brothers, sisters? Psalm one sixteen twelve says, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? There is nothing we can give to give back to the Lord that pays him back. There's nothing we can render to him except to come to him joyfully and be the mouth of reconciliation, be the mouth of redemption. So Lord, lead us back to your table. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to seek and to save us and called us out of our sycamore trees. Lastly, let me point this out to verse 9 to 10. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save That word save sums up all the idea of salvation, which means you get saved, you first believe in Jesus, you're born again, then you are being saved as he transforms you more into the image of Christ until the day he comes back and takes you home and you have been saved, fully glorified, looking exactly like you're supposed to be, living out everything without sinless, without any kind of sin, sinless, when you go to be with the Father when he takes that sin out of you. That is salvation holistically. So he came to seek and to save. His work came to seek you out, to save you, and to carry you through until he takes you home and makes you exactly how he wants you to be in totality. That's what he came to do. So let me say it like this. Notice this last day, that God is the author and finisher of our salvation. Let me say this to us, brothers and sisters. I've got to have this reminded to me. It's got to be punched into me regularly. I do not do any part of my saving. I am not responsible for any part of me being saved. God begins it and God carries it through and God finishes it. All I bring is my dirty, nasty, sinful self. And he cleans me up and he makes me beautiful because that's the business that he's in. He calls me, he saves me, he sanctifies me, he takes me home. And he does that with anybody else that's gonna be with him forever. He is the author and the finisher. Do you have something to do? Yes, come on down and receive him joyfully. That's all you gotta do. That's your work, it's not even work. Turn away from everything that will always disappoint and turn to the one who never disappoints but always satisfies. That's the work. Come and receive him. And it's not a working out of anything. It's simply turn to the one who has given himself to you, who stepped out of eternity and became one to you. Zacchaeus is ushered into the kingdom of God. He becomes a part of the family of God because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. God is always the author and finisher of salvation. Zacchaeus was seeking to see Jesus, but Jesus is the one who came to seek and to save the lost Zacchaeus. You see? He came to see. Jesus came to seek and save. This is good news for us. Today, Jesus has come seeking you. The Holy Spirit is in this place. God is aware of your presence. He knows you. He knows me. And today, he's seeking you. The day he's calling out to you or you would not be here listening to this gospel right now. He has on purpose has you here for you to hear this truth. Praise God that Jesus seeks and saves sinners even now. Amen? Praise the Lord that Jesus seeks and saves even religious sinners. Amen? This is good for us. This is good. Praise the Lord that we have a story about Zacchaeus and about some religious guys who were mad about Zacchaeus getting saved. So that maybe we can repent. Look, Zacchaeus was the man who sought out everyone to pay their debt. Zacchaeus is the man who sought out everybody to pay their debt that they owed to Caesar, but not on this day. Not on this day. This day was the day that Zacchaeus' debt got canceled. And Zacchaeus and you and me don't have to pay a penny of that debt because Jesus paid it all on the cross He paid it all on the cross. He drank down every drop of God's wrath towards us in our sin so that we could be redeemed by the blood of the sacrificial lamb who is Jesus. And today Jesus is calling you to come to him so that he can pay your debt to God in full. Some... Come down and receive him joyfully. Some stand at the door and scoff. Some step back to decide if they're really going to go there. But we don't know if we have tomorrow. So I beg you today to repent and believe in Jesus. For we do not know what tomorrow holds. But right now, Jesus is calling. So come. Come to him. Come to the table and be transformed. He says, His burden is light. So all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to the table. Come, all who are thirsty and receive the living water from the seeker and saver of souls, Jesus Christ the righteous. Come and be satisfied with the water from the well that never runs dry. Come to the table of Jesus and be transformed. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. Come to the table. You know what? The altar before the Lord is always open. Always but do not leave this place without getting right with the Lord, whatever that means. Do not leave this place. And we're not going to judge you because you walk down this aisle, because you get on your knees at your chair, or because you're praying instead of singing. We're going to praise the Lord that God's doing a work in your heart. And we know it could simply be that you turn left instead of right when you were told to turn right, and it's that simple. Or it could be that you're a wicked sinner like me. But do not walk away without turning to the Lord this morning and come to the table with him. I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna pray for us that if you're never giving yourself over to Jesus, today would be the first time. And if you've given yourself over to him, but he wants to do some work in your heart, that you would be obedient and deal with him today. I'll be up here until everybody's gone. If you need somebody to pray with you, come up here, I will pray with you. If you just need to get before the Lord, do it. Do not, do not turn away from his call. Father, we need your grace and mercy. We need your hope and we need your help, especially as it's found in Jesus. I pray that you would walk before us and that we would turn to you and that we would come to sit at the table with you. Lord, we do not know. We do not know what tomorrow holds, but we know that our, our security and our salvation is found in Jesus. And so Lord, if you would save somebody today, if you would help them put their hope and trust in you, if you've wooed them in, I pray, Lord, they would not turn away, but they would repent and believe in Jesus, your son, as their Lord and Savior, and that today they would profess that outwardly to those who are around them, that they might be celebrated and that your gospel would be made much of. And Lord, for those of us who are yours already, but who need to be reminded and brought back to the table, Lord, help us today to see where we need to repent. Help us to see where we need to be on the mission of seeking and saving the lost as your son Jesus was continually on, is even on still today by the powerful working of your Holy Spirit in and through us, your church. Help us to be reoriented, heal our hearts, heal our church, heal our land as we go out to be ministers of reconciliation. That we might see many come to faith in this place. That we would celebrate a little one today being baptized showing that she's repented and believed in you, that we will be filling this place up with people who need to be baptized because they're professing for the first time publicly their salvation in Jesus. We want to be that kind of church, Lord. And we know you're going to use us in the process. So make us right with you so we can do that for your glory so that you get all the praise and then we just get filled with joy. Lord, bring us to your table. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helps you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to make apprentices of Jesus by being a family for family.